morning, good afternoon, and good evening. I hope you guys are having a fantastic day. I know I am. It is October 9th, and another good week has passed. And, if none of you have known, it is New York Comic Con week, where they did drop a lot of good trailers, not as many as I thought they would have. Honestly, besides, of course, the biggest being the Mario uh, trailer for the new Super Mario movie, Not a lot, actually. Like I said, very surprised, but who knows? It's Sunday, maybe something will drop today, and I'll talk about it next week. But in the meantime, nothing much. Anyway, we're going to go ahead and jump right in. And first thing I'm going to talk about is comics. Now, with AXE X-Men issue number one. Now, this one is still continuing where the Avengers issue left off with the group still traveling through the Celestial's body, attempting to find the solution. Now, uh, in this one, focuses on the X-Men, so Sinister, Wolverine, and Jean Grey. Now, Jean is trying to contact anybody on the outside, but says she can't because of the Celestial's powerful mind, which is acting as a blocker. Now, as they travel down the body, Sinister talks about destroying the Celestial for good, Tony talks that about if they end up getting to the Celestial's power, they can see about reversing time or reversing a lot of the deaths that had occurred. And one thing he mentions, which is something that is true, it would be within the Celestial's power to do this. Sinister jokes about taking full control and one of the Eternals grab him by the throat. Uh, I forgot what the this Eternal's name is. It starts with an M, but it was the f- deaf and fast one from the movie. Uh, They also continue on, and they end up getting to a room with a miniature son. They begin to um, basically go through it. Jean Grey basically uses her telekinesis to rip it apart so they can pass through, and they end up being attacked. Now, one thing that was very interesting was the fact that, again, these things aren't responding to Sinister Sense, and it's still kind of funny how he still brought that up as, uh, hey, I have something that will get us past this. Anyway, uh, during the part where she's uh, basically pulling the sun to give them safe passage, the Celestial strikes and she ends up being judged. Now, she ends up going back to the past where she first met Xavier and the X-Men, first met uh, first powers with as a mutant, and to the point where she was Dark Phoenix and basically destroyed a co- uh, not a comment, a uh, planet. Now, this was, like, years ago. This is, I think, before my time when this storyline came to be, but it's still part of Jean Grey's history. Now, uh, the Celestial basically tells her that she'll never be out of the red for that. He also comments that she decided to play hero instead of staying on the Quiet Council to actually make a difference. Now, while he's criticizing her, and it's funny because he takes the form as Xavier... Sinister uses his own telepathy to go inside her brain, brings Wolverine with him, and basically they start shooting the Celestial, stabbing anything inside, of course, besides Jean Grey. Wolverine stabs uh, the Celestial, who is in the form of Professor X, and basically says that he has uh, Charles's, I don't forgot what the word he says, but the way he speaks down. Anyway, uh, Jean basically tells Wolverine that she has to face him alone. The Celestial ironically brings them as character witnesses. The Celestial forces them to speak the truth about what they think about Jean Grey. Sinister states that he is jealous of her uniqueness. 
because he's tried to clone her in the past and it's never really worked out. Wolverine goes to attack the Celestial, but of course, Celestial sends both of them away. Once that's done, uh, it is revealed that Jean failed. Wolverine comforts her, saying that Celestial is wrong, especially since if the Celestial has passed someone like Wolverine and not her, then the Celestial is wrong. She gets mad and calls the Celestial a hypocrite and begins destroying more antibodies, and they continue on. Now, this was actually a pretty good uh, comic because it basically brought up some of the past and brings up an interesting point to where, why would the Celestial, who we've never really seen as the criteria for judging, uh, passing people like Wolverine, but not Jean Grey. Now, given Jean Grey has a big body count by destroying an entire planet, but, I mean, she was under the control of the Dark Phoenix, unlike Wolverine, who... A lot of his crimes he was conscious for. Anyway, I'm looking forward to seeing how this continues on, especially since the next comic book issue will be about the Eternals being judged. So this should be pretty good. Now, moving on, we're going to be talking about AXE Red issue number 7. Now, the beginning of the comic is just incredible. Storm is comforting Magneto as he begins to die, and as he basically is fading she still attempts to use her lightning her storm powers to keep him alive but it's failing he gets really emotional stating that there is no point of her trying to keep him alive as he is ready to pass and his choice for not having a backup basically means he'll stay dead now one thing also was he talks about his dream and Kroika and basically says how his dream has evolved He tells Storm that she will need to look out for Charles since he is alone now, and if he gets pushed, he might do something bad for the right reasons. As he talks, he begins to fade and asks Storm if he can see Anya. She says yes and states, and he basically says how beautiful she looks, and he ends up dying. Now, for those of of you who are not familiar with this character, Anya was Magneto's first daughter who ended up dying when she was very young. Uh, it was shown similarly to in X-Men Age of Apocalypse, where his family that he lived with for years ended up dying. That's basically what happened. So after his death, she goes back to the chairs and they begin to argue what to do next. Another character whose power is basically like dominoes, but instead of luck, she can't lose. I mean, it's the dumbest power ever, but anyway... She says she wants to be in charge, and she states she cannot lose and has beaten everybody. Then she gets judged by the Celestial and ends up failing, which is kind of funny. She leaves and Storms takes the chair of loss. Now, I wish I can say, hey, this is the chairs of this, this is the chairs of this, and this is happening because of this, but I sadly can't because I have no idea what the hell is happening in the second half of this comic. Absolutely have no idea. But anyway, uh, I guess they have to push the comic along for issue number eight and just making sure that everybody who's been following this comic knows exactly what's next. Anyway, uh, she basically sits down and they get to business. Meanwhile, during while all this is happening, Cable and a few other mutants are in space and looking through this data file. Now, one thing that's interesting enough is the I forgot who the kid is, but he says, Cable, have you read this? This is incredible. This is very dangerous information. And Cable is mad and is already reloading his gun. And he comments, okay, you have read this. 
So I have no idea what the heck they were reading. I have no idea why they were basically in space while everything else was happening with the Celestial. But again, I I don't know if this is just trying to push along the next uh, issue of the series to show that Cable will be an antagonist or something, but who knows. Uh, anyway, my opinion on this comic in a whole was the beginning of the comic was amazing, really pulled on your feelings for Magneto dying, but the second part, not so much. Like, everything that was continuing on a nice flotation ends up just dying. And again, I have no idea what's going on in the second half because I'm not familiar with this issue or this series. And it seemed to be like, okay, we're done with AXE. We're, we got to move on and do all this stuff. Anyway, uh, that's it for Marvel. We're going to go ahead and jump into DC with Dark Crisis issue number five. Now, Black Adam is still battling all the villains as he is the last one standing. Sideways, uh, who is basically a hero who can teleport, comes in with Mr. Terrific and they help Adam escape. Nightwing notes that they were able to locate him due to his Justice League calm, which was still active. Adam states that the villains have fallen. Swamp Thing and Superboy enter the room and informs everyone that Deathstroke is filled with darkness that is connected to Pariah. And if they stop Deathstroke, they can halt Pariah's advances. Mr. Terrific agrees and Nightwing says for the heroes to gather and to send out a call. Meanwhile, while this is all happening, Green Lantern and Flash are battling Batman and try to convince him that the world isn't real. After Batman begins to get the upper hand because, I mean, he's Batman and he has faced Barry multiple times to have prep, uh, he basically throws a device that not sucks the uh, speed force but basically slows him down. Green Lantern shows him an image of the Bat family, Barbara, Jason, Dick, and Bruce comes too. They gather the rest of the League and make one last stop, which is Superman. They begin to explain to Superman that this world isn't real and all that stuff, but he just smiles and he acknowledges that he's known for years and that he spent years in this place. And he tells them that he's been trying to escape, but to no avail. He talks about how Pariah thought that he would be tricked with a happy ending, but he wasn't, and Green Lantern states that he is very calm, which is alarming. Batman states that when he is calm like this, he is extremely angry. Superman reveals he has unlocked the secrets, and they begin to escape. They do, and begin to attack Pariah. Meanwhile, while this is all happening, Deathstroke and the rest of the villains converge to the Hall of Justice, where everyone prepares for one last stand. Garth joins them with the other heroes, and many... Answer the call, like uh, Titans Academy and a few others, but some don't. Black Adam states that they do not stand a chance because they are not the Justice League. Nightwing states that they are Titans and they begin to attack. Now, they begin to lose because, I mean, they're being overwhelmed and the darkness is basically infectious. Then Black Adam comes out of nowhere and makes an opening, but it ends up being too late as the multiverse is born again. And in front of Nightwing and Black Adam is Eclipso... Dark side and many, many powerful supervillains that would take the Justice League forever to even face one of them. So the comic ends and the next issue is Death of the DC Universe. No idea what's going to happen there. I'm very curious to see how all the heroes are going to join together to fight these villains. I mean, Dark side alone, I mean, he takes the entire Justice League to face sometimes, so... Who knows, and Eclipso, you're going to need the Justice League Dark, and just a whole bunch of other people too. So, 
like I said, who knows? And I'm excited for this. Anyway, uh, one thing also I want to talk about is I don't know why some of the heroes didn't answer the call. And I'm hoping they're able to explain this further down the line. Like uh, Jaime Reyes, Blue Beetle. He didn't answer the call, but of course... Oh my god, I forgot the other dude's name, but the original Blue Beetle did. So I really can't wait to see what's next, especially with the death of the DC Universe. And I'm curious to see if the heroes who didn't answer the call will play a bigger part. Anyway, uh, that's it for comic books. We're going to be talking about TV shows. Now, the full trailer for Wednesday has dropped, and I gotta admit, it does look pretty fun. I've always been a big Adams Family guy, and my sister loved the movies from the 90s, like the ones that actually went to theaters, and you know what? I enjoyed them too. So I'm curious to see how this will go, and it seems to be taking a dark and mysterious um, genre. So it's going to be definitely a mystery with some death and despair. And I've, I mean, when it comes to Tim Burton, it's always like 50-50, so... Who knows, maybe this will be good, or maybe this will be another Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, I wasn't really a fan of that one. Anyway, uh, moving on, Our House Season 3 trailer and clips have been released. Now, I have been a really big fan of the show because it's been really written very well. I'm curious to see what they're going to do since they're only given three 45-minute specials. And it's such a shame that Disney cut the season into specials like that because it definitely deserves another season heck it deserves another two seasons but i mean when it comes to shows like this disney usually gives them three seasons and then gives them the axe same thing they did with amphibia uh they did this with oh what was a gravity falls i think gravity falls didn't even make it to season three i think it was season two but anyway yeah shows like this for some reason disney likes to cut their lifespan short which kind of sucks, but maybe in the future, maybe they'll come back to it or something, but who knows. Anyway, moving on, Picard Season 3 trailer has aired, and I gotta say, for a last season, this thing is having a bunch of villains coming out of the Whitworth to face Picard. First, it's Lore, Data's brother, Moriarty, which I am still trying to catch up on Next Generation, so I've seen the first episode he is in, and it was incredible. So I still got a couple seasons to go before I even reach his second episode. But also a new villain, which is new. Now, I don't know who this new villain is, but apparently she, or unless I'm mistaken that it was a dude, but I can swear it was a woman, uh, is hunting the old Enterprise crews. Why? No idea. Also, they made some character changes, which I think is kind of funny. Like Worf is now a pacifist, which is something I never thought I'd see. Uh, but anyway, uh, this season looks to be amazing, and I really hope that it's a good one, because again, this is the last season, this is the final goodbye, and I'm wondering if Q's gonna show up, since he did state that he has one more visit to Picard before he says his final goodbye. Anyway, speaking of Star Trek, Discovery Season tr uh, wow, I can't even say it right, Discovery Season 5 trailer was released, and... It looks like it's going to suck. After season four, it's... I You're either going to really like this show or really hate this show. And if you watch any of the old Star Trek shows, this is, this is not Star Trek. It's really bad. And yeah, I am not watching it. I'm going to watch Brave New Worlds and watch an actual Star Trek show. Anyway, moving on. Dragon Prince trailer was just released. And I got to say, it looks pretty cool. 
Now, the trailer seems to be showing that the kingdom is trying to negotiate peace with all the races. Something has apparently happened where they're trying to find the mystery of Mavros. Um, and a lot of the characters, again, it's a three, two, three year time jump. So I'm very excited to see where it goes. I'm hoping it's good because it's the same creators for Avatar. And hopefully this leads to season five and six. Who knows? Maybe season four is going to be the second to last season. But it's a great story and I'm happy to watch it. Speaking of uh, series, not that I'm happy to watch this one. uh, The trailer for the upcoming Scooby-Doo prequel called Velma has dropped. And yeah, I will say this. I was very surprised that Mindy was actually a pretty good Velma voice. I mean, I was watching the trailer and I was like, wow, she actually sounds like Velma. But that was basically the last thing I said that was in a positive note because I I don't like the fact that they changed her ethnicity again. And yes, I mean, again, Velma was Spanish before well she was originally white then spanish and now she is indian and for those of you who are wondering when she was spanish if you remember they came out with a movie i want to say a year back called scoob they made her spanish in that one and again now she's indian and that's not where it ends they also made shaggy black i just find it funny that they made the bona fide stoner of the group black I, yeah, uh, also he goes by Norville now, so, um, let's see, Daphne seems to be same whites, although I could be wrong, but Fred looks exactly the same, although his picture does look really good, kind of looks like, hey, what if we made Scooby-Doo an anime, which actually wouldn't be a bad idea. Anyway, um, one thing, one of the reasons why I don't like this is because this seems like a lazy attempt at diversity. It really does, just change the diversity group of the characters we all grew up and loved and just call it a day it's see this is one of the reasons why people say that hollywood has run out of ideas because it's not original you're just taking an idea that's already been done and it's still going on it's not like scooby-doo has ended they're still coming out with movies and all that stuff for it and tv shows but you're taking something that's still going on changing the race and slapping it on like see see we're diversity now And it sucks. It really does. Now, if they wanted to do something where they wanted to have a diverse group, what they should have done, which would have made perfect sense, is they should have made original characters to make a new story. And maybe people are like, oh, but who would watch this? And I've been like, well, how would this fit? Well, here's how it would fit. Maybe this is the new gang that has taken over for the Scooby gang as they've retired. Maybe this is years later. Maybe the group from the 70s and 80s, they're now older. Now they're leaving the mystery machine to a new group of friends to solve new mysteries and all that stuff. See, that's original. You can make new characters without pissing off anybody else. You can make new storylines and everything else. It's like, okay, this is the next generation. This is new characters. Uh, Maybe they get another dog or a descendant from Scooby-Doo who's also named Scooby Jr. or something like that. At least that way you have an excuse to why you have a diverse group of people and all that good stuff. Like I said, uh, people just want to... like rip off and slap a thing remake it and say hey look now we're diverse or now we're doing something else it's really dumb and i'll give the first episode a watch but i don't think i'll be liking this too much 
anyway, uh, moving on to a show that I am definitely looking forward to seeing, Vox Machina Season 2 clips have been released, and it looks like from the clips that the dragons are doing a lot of damage. Now, from the first season, this show was amazing. I cannot wait to see Season 2, and it's been greenlit for Season 3, so I cannot wait for it to continue, and I'm really happy for it. Now, moving on, we're going to be talking about House of Dragon Episode 7. Now, in this episode, the tension at the beginning of it was incredible. I felt like you can cut that thing with a knife. Now, everyone at the funeral was there for Lady Leanna. Everyone was doing their own thing. Aegon was drinking himself drunk. Otto was the king's hand once again. And Lenore was out in the water mourning his sister's death. Now, Corlys, Valerian... Uh, tells Lenore's boyfriend to fetch him from the water. Rhaenyra is trying to talk to Damon, and she also tells her son to talk to Damon's children. One thing that was very interesting was Corlys's wife, Rhaenyra, was basically talking about giving, uh, what's the place called? Driftmark, thank you. Driftmark to Damon's eldest daughter. But Corlys was like, no, that's going to take away from Rhaenyra's firstborn, which is his right which she states that no one is there in the room with them, that they can speak the truth, that Damon's children are the only ones with his blood and definitely deserves to inherit Driftmark. Now, he says something that was very powerful, and I've seen a lot of people quote it, was that history does not remember blood, but remembers names, which is kind of interesting and a big fact in itself. I mean, in Game of Thrones, I doubt anybody would have questioned Rhaenyra and Lenore's children being, like, from Sir... Oh, what's his name? Sir Harwin. Maybe that wouldn't have gotten out, and in the end, people remember their children as Lenore's children. But again, very interesting in itself. Now, during the evening, Rhaenyra and Daemon go out for a walk and basically end up doing the dirty deed. Aemon, who still wants a dragon, goes to Vhagar... And begins to climb him. Now, I gotta say, I thought this man was gonna get fried. I thought, oh, well, he's dead. Goodbye, sayonara. Well, Vega accepts him and he rides him. Now, Damon's daughters confront Aemond and accuse him of stealing their mother's dragon. Now, he states that they should have claimed the dragon while they had the chance. And it's there, and basically now it's his now. Rhaenyra's son, Lucerus is trying to help them, and they basically end up attacking each other. Aemon mocks him and begins to claim that everyone knows who his father is, and he brandishes a knife and tries to stab him. Now, in the struggle, Lucerus was able to grab the knife and cut his eye, basically removing it all together. Not, well, maybe damaging it is the better word. Uh, after everything is done, everybody is gathered, trying to figure out what they are, what, what's happening and what has happened. Uh, Visaris asks what happened, and Lucerus tells him that Aemon talked about his legitimacy. And this is a big deal, because as you remember from the previous episode, this is treason in itself to mention these types of things. Now, Visaris asks Aemon where he heard this. He briefly looks to his mother, but ends up blaming his brother. Alicent basically wants revenge for Lucerus' eye and asks Sir Christian Cole to take it. Damon intervenes, uh, basically blocking uh, Sir Christian Cole. Allison grabs a knife and tries to stab Renera's son, but she gets in the way. Uh, Renera states that everyone 
is able to see basically who she is now. Viserys calls Alicent by his first wife's name, which I found hilarious. And Alicent ends up cutting Renera's arm. She walks away and Otto follows her and commends her for saying that he didn't know that she had it in her to win this game. He also tells her that the king will forgive her and she should be proud of her son uh, for basically claiming Vagor, who is the biggest dragon, and states that an eye was a small price to pay. Lenore comes in after finding out what happened and tells Renera that he hasn't been holding up his end of the bargain and says that he will stay with her, which made me super happy and was being basically, I'm like, okay, so this guy isn't a bad person. He's made mistakes. Maybe he's going to stick around and be happy with Renera. Yeah, I counted my chickens way too early for that one. Renera talks to Damon saying that she needs him and basically wants him to marry her. She also talks about killing Lenore. Yeah, I wasn't too happy about that one. Damon kills a guard and talks to uh, Lenore's lover and convinces him to attack Lenore. They basically end up confronting and once they begin to fight, the guards come in with Lenore's parents and by the time they get there, they see a corpse that looks like Lenore burning. His mother starts crying frantically. It is later revealed that he wasn't killed, that the person burning was the guard and Lenore and his lover was able to escape. Now, I thought that twist was amazing because I'm like, oh my god, Renera is now evil. How can I be on her team? And I'm like, oh, wow. He, she basically gave him an out and he took it because he knew he did not belong. He was not ready to play this game that Damon and Renera were about to play. And I, you know what? I can respect that for him. And I'm happy that he was given a happy ending because honestly, when it comes to Game of Thrones or the entire universe of Westeros, that is something that is rare. And when you got it, you got to take it. Anyway, uh, Damon and Renera end up wedding, which is very interesting because now their children, who was, n- n- uh, what was their children? It was not nieces. It was aunts and nephews are now siblings, which sounds something like it should be part of Alabama. Anyway, after this, they are now a unified front with Targaryen and Valerian together as one. Now, this should be interesting because... There is going to be another time jump for episode 8, and I'm here for it. Now, I'll say this. This episode was definitely lacking in action, but definitely was not boring. And I think it was one of the best episodes yet. Now, I will say this. The lighting for this episode could have been so much better. It felt like I was back to watching season 8 during the whole battle. Yeah, not a good memory to bring up. But anyway, I am excited for the next episode. And like I said, it looks like there's going to be another time jump. I think if this one is going to be another 10 years. And like I said, I have no idea what the heck episode 10 is going to be. Because if they're going to start with the Dance of the Dragons, then maybe season 2 is the aftermath or something along those lines. They're doing a lot of time jumps. But if Viserys is still alive, that means we still got another 10 years before the Dance of the Dragons. Anyway, that's it for TV shows. We're going to be moving on to movies. Now, the biggest trailer that dropped was, of course, the new Mario's Brothers trailer. And I gotta say, it looked amazing. I was excited. I was basically in the countdown where they were going to reveal the trailer and was counting counting down to zero as the timer went down. And when I watched it, I couldn't believe how fantastic it looked. The animation alone looked amazing. 
and Bowser looked cool, and he looked menacing, which was fantastic. Now, I gotta say, I was already excited for Jack Black to be voicing Bowser, but as soon as I heard his voice for Bowser, I was even more into it. I mean, Jack Black is such an amazing actor and voice actor, and you know what? He can basically do anything. Now, Chris Pratt sounds like he might be a good Mario, but because we only heard maybe a few tidbits, I can't really state my like actual opinion on it. Now, Luigi getting chased in the trailer, and you can... You can somewhat hear Charlie Day's voice because his voice is very distinguishable. was kind of funny. And the fact that he was running away from uh, Bone Koopas is very interesting because where he looked like he ended up looks like a haunted mansion. And for those of you who play Luigi's Mansion, I think you know where this setting is going to be. Again, it's a Super Mario Brothers movie. I can't wait to see everybody who plays in it. And I'm excited to see what character the original voice actor for Mario is going to be. Because, again, he is actually in the movie. So, can't wait to see who he's voicing. Anyway, um, yeah, I'm excited for the trailer. And I am super glad that Nintendo is actually paying attention to this movie. Because the last time they made a Mario Brothers movie, they weren't paying attention. And we got the film from the 90s. Not the best movie. And it's definitely something to watch if you haven't given it a chance yet. Anyway, uh, moving on, another movie coming out is called Violent Night, and it seems to be a good toss between fantasy and action. Now, this is basically Die Hard, but instead of John McClane, we're getting Santa Claus, and it's from the same people who did Bullet Train and Nobody. Now, I gotta say, this movie seemed like it was gonna be kind of dumb, but with those references and the trailer, it looks like it's gonna be fun. And I love David Harbour. And I hope this movie ends up being good because of him. Because he's not a bad actor. Honestly, he was a great Hellboy. Now, the Hellboy movie sucked. Don't get me wrong. It was absolutely terrible. But he actually played a good Hellboy. And I'm actually kind of mad that he wasn't given a good script. Anyway, uh, moving on. The new trailer for Slumberland has been released. And it looks interesting. It's a Jason Momoa movie that looks to be coming from a book. And it's about a little girl who's trying to travel to make her wish come true about seeing her dad. Like I said, it doesn't look bad, and I'm excited to see what happens next. Anyway, that's it for movies. Oh, actually, I'm wrong. There's actually another thing I forgot to mention. Uh, There's a new Scooby-Doo movie where basically they've made it known that Velma is a lesbian. Now, I see a lot of people complaining about that, but in actuality... Uh, A lot of people, even years ago, were speculating that she may be playing for the other side, especially with some other characters from kids' TV shows and stuff like that. And it was stated back in 2002 that James Gunn was going to make her officially a lesbian, but the studio said no during the time. And again, during the original Scooby-Doo movie script, the live-action one, uh, they were originally making it rated R or PG-13 when they had to cut a lot of stuff. So, I mean, this isn't something new, new, where it's like the TV show where they're changing stuff. But anyway, uh, I'm excited to see you at this movie, and I really like Scooby-Doo. I'm a big fan, and I'm kind of sad when they do stuff like Velma or something like that. Because, I mean, why do a Scooby-Doo prequel without Scooby-Doo? Anyway, uh, that's about it for movies, officially this time. We're going to be moving on to video games. Now, the trailer for No Man's Sky, I know people are like, No Man's Sky trailer, but it's been out for years. Yes, but not the Nintendo Switch version. 
the Nintendo Switch version trailer has dropped. And I'm actually happy to see this game has grown into a fun game, especially compared to when it first came out and is coming to the Switch. Now, would I buy it for the Switch? No, I really don't think that the Switch will be able to harness its greatness in its full glory. Because, I mean, the console has limitations. But, I mean, if the only console you have is a Switch and you really want to play this game, then go for it. I mean, it's the Switch. If it's the only thing you got, you got to play it on the Switch. Anyway, uh, moving on, Dragon Ball Kakarot will be coming to next gen. And then I think it's in January or February. But it will be coming with a new DLC rehashing the story of Bardock. Now, for those who previously owned the game, you will be getting a free update. So I'm actually happy about that. I can't wait for the DLC to release and hopefully we get something soon where they're talking about, hey, we're going to be talking about, or not talking about, but the next DLC will be about super storylines. Because honestly, like I said before on this podcast, I am really getting tired of replaying through the entire Dragon Ball Z story game after game after game. I know the story by now. Everybody knows the story. Please move on we have moved into super there's like over a hundred episodes of super you can make a game anyway uh moving on we're going to be talking about overwatch 2 now overwatch 2 has seemed to be getting better especially when it comes to connectivity and a bunch of other stuff i've actually been playing a lot of overwatch 2 and having fun now, for me, when I play, I'm more of a tank main. I usually play Reinhardt or D.Va, and I'm pretty well with them. Now, one thing I will say is the account merging is seemingly being a little slow. I was at a queue of 600,000, but I mean, with everything that's been going on and how many updates have been doing, it seems like the wait was worth it. And again, it's really fun. I can't wait to see how it all goes, and I can't wait for my account to merge so I can be playing my other mains that are currently locked because I have to unlock them all again. Again, can't wait for that to merge so I can start playing my other mains because as much as I do like McCree, I really want to play other people that I'm not able to as of this moment. Anyway, uh, that's it for video games. We're going to be moving on to nerd theories. Now, I know the Black Panther movie is coming out next month and I gotta say I think as of right now I know they stated that Namor is not a villain in the MCU yet or in Black Panther but if they are following his comic book counterpart and he is similar enough I think he's going to be playing a villain or at least an antagonist in the upcoming Kang Dynasty movie now in the comic he does everything and anything to protect Atlantis And I think with Kang coming into the picture, his relationship with him will be an interesting dynamic. Now, I'm saying this because uh, his relationship with other heroes in the comic has changed from time to time. He's been an Avenger. He's been an enemy of the Avengers. He's been an enemy of the Fantastic Four, a friend of the Fantastic Four. And it's been a big thing. And he always has his own agenda. Now, a partnership with Kang for the safety of his kingdom is something he would definitely do. And again, it would be an interesting alliance. And I'm curious to see if maybe Kang will make an appearance in this movie or it will lead to something else that's happening. Again, this is all speculation, but if it happens, you heard it here first. 
Moving on, I'm going to be talking about Mario. Now, yes, we all know that there is an upcoming Mario Brothers movie coming out in April, but I think that we will be getting a new Mario game. Now, I say this because it would make perfect sense since we haven't really seen a large Mario game since Odyssey, which has been a few years. And I know the last Mario game we got was when he was in a cat suit, but it wasn't that big big of a game. It was kind of like an add-on. But like I said before, I think it would make sense because you're having a Mario Brothers movie that you've been working on for years. It would be a perfect time to jump on the high horse and release another Mario game. Especially since Sonic is getting his his new open world game. It would make sense. It would be kind of cool. And if it tied into the movie, it would be really great. A new Mario story based on the movie and all that stuff. And I mean, it's Nintendo. They'll make a Mario game and everybody will love it. Anyway, like I said, I think it's only natural for them to do this. And if they do it, you knew about it or you heard it here first. Anyway, uh, that's it for video games. Or not video games. That's it for nerd theories. God, I cannot speak today. (laughs) Anyway, we're going to be moving on to current events. Now, in current events, President Putin's birthday was on Saturday, I believe. Or was it Friday? Anyway... During his birthday, the Ukraine ended up bombing a bridge connecting Ukraine to Russia. Now, they didn't destroy all of the bridge. They only made part of it collapse. But it was a big deal because I think this bridge was built in Putin's honor. Now, the funny thing is, Ukraine's TikTok and Twitter account has been going nuts, making funny posts, comments, and all that stuff. And it's really funny like if you want to see this look up their tiktok and yes they do have a tiktok account it's verified with the check mark and everything else it is hilarious and i like the fact that they were able to do this since russia saying they're winning the war which apparently they're not anyway uh russia might be in big trouble if ukraine continues to fight back and keeps pushing them backwards anyway uh that's it for current events so far uh, and that's it for the show I can't wait to see you guys next week, and I believe that will be the second to last episode before I go on vacation. And for those wondering where I'm going, I'm going to be going to New York and then Pennsylvania. And while I'm in Pennsylvania, I'll be going to Six Flags. I'll be having fun for their haunted Halloween, and I honestly can't wait because I'll be spending time with some good old friends. But anyway, that's it for this week's episode. See you later. Sayonara. And please... Have a blessed day.